0: Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. And so today we're moving on to the other side of that, because how many of you have encountered somebody who's very solid on the Word? Maybe they haven't actually comprehended it, but it's almost like when you're talking to them, they're beating you with it. It's like, the Bible says that, and you're like, wow! You... Do you know what it means? Like there's there's a, there's a lot that Jesus was offensive to those that didn't know him, that didn't uh want what the kingdom of heaven was, but he was love and he was merciful and he was he drew the broken and the hurting. He didn't beat them with their sins, you know? And there's there's a place where we have to know that the word of God comes alive in His presence, and so today we're going to talk about the presence of God. And there's this is a place. This is what we felt this morning. And so, I mean, some people here may be newer to the church world or newer to Christianity, and you don't understand why. You know, you come in and you just cry. Uh, Jody, can I tell your story? Jody came to the church, got saved uh, when we were at the theater. Yep. Yeah. And she thought that they, we might like um, be electrifying something because she she would feel like God, and she'd just cry, and she and she thought that we were like manufacturing that somehow. And then after a while, she found out no, that's actually God. She was just, her body was responding to the presence of God. And some people cry, some people fall down, some people, you know, whatever, different feelings. But the point is that the presence of God is a real thing. He is here. God is not a theory, Jesus is not a, a historical figure, He's God. And he's here. The Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered, he's in our midst. He's right here. And so when we sing, and we're singing, you're the way maker, the miracle worker. We're not just singing it, you know. Like Jesus, you're my favorite homeboy. We're 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 actually singing to Him. You are the waymaker. Thank you. You are the miracle worker. Thank you. You are you are the life giver. Thank you. We're telling Him. We're singing to Him, and we're engaging His presence. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today because we have come to a point in our uh, world history where the the feelings of the presence of God have gotten so convoluted and so twisted up, and, and to the point where there's so many, you know, different metaphysical kind of things and different spiritual trails where people are looking for an internal sensation or, a, a, you know, I am God in myself, and so I need to be one with myself and whatever, and, and all of that is different than the presence of God. So when we get all confused, what happens is that people shut off and go, I'm not about feelings, I'm not about sensing it. I just want to know what the Bible says. Well, we need both. A relationship without feelings gets pretty stale pretty quick. We need the presence. We need the engagement. We need to connect with God on a relational level. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit today. I love uh, Psalm 46. The beginning says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not... uh, even, sorry, therefore we will not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Even though the world blows up, essentially, the psalmist says, verse one, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's right there, he is present with us. His presence is there in the midst of though things explode around us. He's very present in the midst of us. Verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And that's kind of the place that we need to jump off of today because we have this society right now I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we thrive on escapism. Anybody? I just need to get away. And when you find out that some of the stuff that you used to do to escape gets shut off for various reasons. You know, we've come out of this. Uh, we're on the tail end of the COVID season. And, the, you know, you can't go here. You can't go there. You can't travel. You can't whatever. I mean, praise God, borders are starting to open and things are opening up again. But we all of a sudden realized how many of us lived all year long just for a two-week getaway so we could escape from it all instead of embracing the freedom in the day-to-day. You know, the other 350 days a year, right? We live for those two weeks of escape. We live for that place to get to. And so we have seen in the middle of all the pain and all the stuff that's gone on in this season where jobs are lost and people are hurting and lives are lost. And frankly, the earth is grieving. People are grieving. There is, there is, you know, not probably one of us that hasn't been touched by some kind of sorrow in the last six months even. Something that we're carrying, something that hurts. And so we have seen an increase, you know, in in substance abuses. We've seen an increase in alcoholism. We've seen an issue uh, risen in uh, family violence. We've seen things like suicides rise up. We've seen people escape into video games and fantasy things and porn usage and, you know, just whatever it takes to not think. I don't want to think. I don't want to think. I don't want to feel. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want I want to just escape. But the thing is the word tells us that God comes into those situations with us. He doesn't, it doesn't say that he's going to take us out of them. It says that he's going to engage them with us. So this pull towards escapism is actually costing us the relationship with God. It's costing us the presence that he offers us. It's costing us the good stuff that he has available to us. And we see it in marriages right now. We see that that same escapism, it costs you with your spouse. You know that I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be with you. I don't want to be around you right now. I just I haven't, I have nothing left. Great. How's that going to last? Right? Marriages can't survive escapism. Families can't survive escapism. And yet we've had this thing where it's just, you know, where, have you ever done the thing where you're like scanning through, you got your phone and you, you, you have the revelation. I've seen all this stuff before. Like I've already, I've scrolled through this a few times already. Why am I staring at this screen? I've already watched this movie 19 times. Why am I wasting another two hours on it? escapism? And I, I'm telling you today, the present part, the presence of God and us being present goes together. They're a connection. So a lot of people say, well, I don't feel God's presence. Are you present? Are you present for his presence? And the idea of being present is this thing that is just so... Um, It's so pure. It's so um, built right into us. It's this place of alertness that God calls us to. And so literally, the definition of of presence means the state or fact of existing, occurring, and being there. It's that simple. The state or fact of existing, occurring, or being there. In Hebrew, it's a little more telling because it means before the face. Before the face. So if I'm going to be present with you in a conversation, having coffee, having dinner, it means I'm not looking at my devices, I'm looking at your face. I'm looking in your eyes. I'm listening for what you're saying. It's gathering the kids around the table and we're gonna have family dinner and we look each other in the face. It's why this season of separation has been extra painful for people in some of these isolation situations is when you can't see somebody in the face. Like, yes, you can text them. Yes, you can phone them. Yes, you can FaceTime them, which is helpful. It's better than nothing, but it's not the same as seeing somebody face to face, is it? And so it's being it's being present. When you're looking somebody in the eye, It is a lot easier for them to tell if you drift, right? People are like, "Uh, hello, did you just hear what I said? You know, but you're you're texting or you're distracted in some way. People don't always catch right away that you haven't been there. You're there, but you're not there. You're not present. Are you with me? Are you present? Yes. (laughs) Yes. this presence that God calls us to. It is about us actually choosing to engage where we, we step away from the stuff that is escaping. And we step into that place of acknowledging, even though it hurts for a minute, even though it's scary for a minute, even though it's hard for a minute, God, I'm willing to engage you with my presence because I need your presence. I am willing to engage you face to face because I need, I can't get through this without you. It's actually something that God's called us to. And it's, it's um, the lifeline that makes the word come alive. It's that thing when people say, I read the Bible and I don't understand any of it. Presence will change that. So when you sit there and you go into your Bible and, and you get the right translation, that's at the place where you can read. And maybe you do start with a devotional where somebody's helping you walk through the Bible, but you open the book and you get in there and you pray. God, I'm coming. I'm, I believe that you're sitting right here with me. Would you teach me what this means? And it's kind of like that thing. There's a story in the Bible where Philip is ministering to an a Ethiopian guy. Who's, uh, he's reading the book of the law. He's reading the word. And, and Philip says to him, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I? He needed somebody to explain it to him. Here's the gift of God. The Holy Spirit is our instructor. He's a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So in his presence, the word comes alive to us. We start to understand in his presence, when we engage prayer as though we're in his presence, which we are, it changes everything. But we have to let go of the escapism, the distractions, the things that want our attention, that want our focus, that want our face. And we bring our face before him instead. There's a value of presence and there's a price of presence. And we're going to talk about that today because I, I think this is going to help some of us. The value and the price are not the same thing, right? The value is pure. The value is, is uh, you know, really based on what somebody is ultimately willing to pay for it. The price, some people will pay a different price, but the value is set. The value stays the same. Corey Ten Boom, a, a lot of you might know who she was, awesome woman of God who ended up uh, in, a, in a German um, death camp, watched her entire family be killed, watched her sister be beaten in front of her eyes to death. And uh, she, she says stuff like, um, I have, in the darkest hell men can come up with, felt the presence of God. And if you watch her movie, it's called The Hiding Place or read her book, Hiding Place. Uh, She talks about these horrible, horrible conditions. Like we can't, we can't fathom that people could do these things to one another. And she says, I felt the presence of God there. Fascinating, isn't it? But she also says this. She says, you can never know that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. You can never know that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. And sometimes that, that thing is coming to the end of ourselves. He's always the answer. God is always the answer. But sometimes we're really good at making it up along the way. We're very good at self-sustaining. We're very good at self-pacifying. We're very good at problem-solving. But there comes a point for everybody where we hit the end of ourselves and we're like, yeah, I got nothing. Christ. That's why people say dumb things like, oh good, are you finally at bottom? And you're like, you're a moron. (laughs) Um, But usually those people mean, I've been praying for you for a long time and you just keep digging yourself out of these holes and into other ones and I've been waiting for you to hit the end. I've been waiting for you to know Jesus is the answer, and so we probably could package that better, but that, you know, that's what we mean when we say things like that, is that we know Christ is all we have. We know that there's a value in his presence that's worth everything else in exchange. I have set the Lord always before me. This is Psalm 16, 8 and 11. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. He's not an add on. It's the fact that I'm stable at all is because he's there. Because he's right with me in this. In your presence is fullness of joy, not fullness of happiness. Happiness comes and goes. Happiness is a really great ice cream cone on a hot day. Happiness is a light peppermint latte, extra hot on a really cold day. There is is happiness that comes in those moments of puppies and babies and good things, and they come and they go, and they're awesome and we're grateful. Joy is this sustaining force on the inside that is my strength that no matter what, I just have an internal smile because God is good. That's better. That kind of joy is found in His presence. The capacity to be present for us Comes from the awareness and surrender to God's presence in our lives. So they come in a partnership. My ability to be present, my ability to be present for you in your time of need comes from the ability to stay in His presence as I help you. My ability to walk through the hard things in my workplace and be present and feel what I need to feel, go through what I need to go through, comes from my ability to stay in his presence and his sustaining joy for the journey. My ability to deal with diagnoses and outcomes comes from, and be present in them, comes from my ability to live out of his presence in that doctor's office, in that unemployment line, in that place of suffering. Whatever is going on, my ability to stay in the present and not need to escape is found because of his presence are you with me there's a coming it's not something that i add on to life it's the core of what i uh, i am and how i experience it and although many people have had the credit for this quote alexander mclaren who is a scottish baptist minister from the late 1800s says peace comes not from the absence of trouble but from the presence of god Peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of God. I was going to do it in a Scottish accent so you could really get it, but I practiced this morning and I decided, no. That was, that was very racially ambiguous. It, makes, it sounds like nothing. So imagine for yourself, Braveheart, saying that. And it sounds really good. Peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of God. I want to read to you Psalm 139, verse 1 to 10 in the New Living Translation. And uh, for those of you who are maybe new to reading your Bible, I would highly recommend the New Living Translation. It's a little bit easier to take in. It's a good, solid study. Um, You know, if you're going to want to dig into Hebrew and Greek and, you know, root words or whatever, you might want to cross-reference to something else. But honestly, it's a good read. And it gives you the intent of the heart of God. But let's read the Psalm 139, 1 to 10 in the New Living it says, oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Pause on that for a minute. I, I don't know if I can pray about this. I don't, I don't think I, to, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, I, I, just, I feel like God's holy and I'm not holy. Um, hello. You have examined my heart and you know everything about me. Who are you fooling? He knows already. You might as well own up to it and be present right? Because he already, he's not surprised. You're not about to confess before God. He's like, oh, no. He's not doing, it. he's like, I know. Thank you for telling me. Thank you for being honest about it. Anybody who's a parent, you say things like, who broke this? You know who broke it you want them to fess up, right? Because if you don't fess up, there will probably be consequence. There's things that happen. But if you say, Mama, I did it. Thank you for being honest. Can you help me clean it up? And, and just parenting advice, if they actually fess up, that's when you go light on the punishment, right? It's like, you know, but, but you, you, we ask these things. God's like, wait, because there's something that comes, something restorative that comes from being honest with the Lord, being clear about this. Coming before him face to face. Being present with his presence. And so, Lord, you've examined my heart know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. I didn't do nothing. though you thought about it. I mean, literally, God knows your thoughts. For some of us, that's terrifying. For others of us, that's actually liberating. Because I got nothing to hide. If God already knows it, I might as well be honest with him and let him heal whatever is going on on the inside of me. Let me be clear with him. Let me be open before him. Because that's where life comes in. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know that I'm, what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. And that's those moments when the Holy Spirit goes, nope, don't, don't do it, don't do it. Mm-mm. Oh, I said it anyway. Okay. <laughs> yep. That might only happen to me. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too great to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. He is there. This is a lifeline for people who say things like, I I heard you got religion. Religion. No, I'm recognizing that the God of the universe knows me. He he knows me. He loves me. He cares about me. And this is life-giving. I can't ignore that. I can't deny it. I won't walk away from it. That is life for me. In the New Testament, we are introduced when Jesus is born. uh, One of the names of God is Emmanuel, God with us. As we celebrate Christmas this year, that's what we celebrate, God with us. Not over there somewhere, not not somewhere after we climb up on our knees up some mountain of shame so that we can go on pilgrimage to sacrifice something at the top and burn incense. No, He is with us right here, right now, at the bottom of a broken and contrite heart and spirit, right? At the place of honesty before Him, that's where He is. That's the place of His presence, that open spot. While we are here on earth, we need him. It gives us hope for where it is that we're headed. But while we are here, Psalm 23 is a psalm that gets read at a lot of uh, funerals. It gets, you know, most of us have it memorized. But Psalm 23 4 specifically says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 91 says that we hide ourselves under the shadow of the Almighty. So his shadow trumps the shadow of death. It's a direct contrast. We hide ourselves under the shadow of the Almighty so that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and staff, they come from me. Your presence, I, it's not that I'm like, oh, I laugh at death. No, I, I can walk through these dark places because I'm hidden under your shadow and you are with me. Me and Jesus can do any, anything, go anywhere, take on any mountain. Me and Jesus can do anything, which really is mostly Jesus and me tagging along. You know, it's that, it's that add on thing that that he just lets me get to be part of what he does, but I can go through the dark places. Notice though, it doesn't say, yay, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. You take me right out of it so that I don't have to deal with it. No, there is no escapism. You are with me. We don't escape it, we walk through it and we experience what happens when dueling shadows come into, ta- into contact and the light of God's countenance drives this away. There's this place of safety in him, in his presence as we walk through this. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19, the Apostle Paul put it this way, that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So God is not out there. When I come to Christ, he's the strength on the inside of me that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I am never, ever truly empty as long as I'm full of him. When I am weak, then I am strong because his strength fills my weakness. It becomes something else. And so we get this by experiencing the revelation of his love, which is his presence. We know that going on a little further, 1 John 4, 18, in the book as it's explained, uh, that we find out that perfect love drives out all fear. So if this love that he's telling us to engage is, is in us, then we actually see fear have to flee in front of us. What happens in the natural is that we tend to go, this is a very scary thing. I'm gonna play video games for a while. Maybe it will go away or maybe I'll be better equipped to deal with it. No, you won't. Fear, you are lying to me right now because the love of Christ dwells in me and perfect love drives out all fear. So I refuse to engage with you right now. I am not gonna run and hide. I am not gonna go and self-pastify pacify in some area. I am not going to escape from life or from my spouse or from my children. I am going to hit you head on and say the love of Christ dwells within me. And there is a spirit of God that lives in me that is greater than he that is in the world. And so fear, you need to shut up right now. Not dealing with you today. I'm not afraid. I'm not intimidated. I'm not anxious. I am not dealing with you today. It's standing in the fullness of God. That This is not denial. This is not escapism. This is recognizing what we actually have available. Again, doesn't mean that the circumstances might change right away, but our capacity to walk through them changes entirely. John 14, 6 and 10 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. So I want you to understand that when Jesus walked upon the earth, he was in this fullness of the presence of God in his everyday. We see that he stepped away from his disciples. We see that he, you know, he took times in prayer, sometimes where he just stayed up all night, sometimes where he was gone early in the morning. You remember the story where the disciples came and found him and said, everybody's looking for you. And he went, oh, and they went on to the next town. He's like, my my highest priority is actually being in the presence of God. I want to be in the presence of my Father. And so the Father was with him as he walked through the journey of life. Why does this matter? Because Jesus modeled to us the actual value of the presence of God. How we see it, one of the most premium ways is, is, is in how he spent his days, how he took the time out to spend time in the presence of the Father, even though, like the stuff that Jesus faced... It was not easy, but he faced it with confidence, with boldness, with courage in the presence of the father. And so Jesus goes to this, this last supper and, you know, last Sunday night we did communion together at pursuit and was so good. And, and this was that meal that Jesus broke and he, he knew that starting in just a couple hours, I'm about to hit some really, really rough patches of life. And he knew what was coming. He knew when Judas went out, he said, whatever you're going to go do, do it quickly. He knew what he was about to do. So Jesus experienced stuff. Like a lot of us are going through hard times right now. A lot of us are dealing with pain. A lot of us are dealing with crisis. A lot of us are dealing with that suffering right now. Jesus seriously gets it. Jesus dealt with things like straight up betrayal. Judas, yes, that was obvious. Peter, Peter, one of Jesus' besties. Of the 12 disciples, there were three that got to hear all the up-close and personal stuff. Peter, who was like, I'm never going to leave you. I'll never deny you. Totally did. Anybody been betrayed by a person this year? Don't put up your hand. <laughs> I expected that you were going to do this, and you didn't. You know? He, he went through isolation, the prayer in the garden. I remember when he said, okay, let's go to the garden, and we're, we're going to pray, because this is going to be a hard night. And he goes, and he's, he looks, and it, Uh, Y'all are sleeping? Really? He goes, like, like wakes them up. Could you not pray for one? And then he goes back. They fall asleep again. And he just isolation I I would imagine that would have felt so good for Jesus in his moment of suffering to have his three closest guys come around him and hold up his hands and we all know the story of Moses and Aaron and her holding up his hands in the battle and you know coming alongside him wouldn't Jesus have appreciated somebody coming alongside him in his moment of suffering nope isolation he experienced it false accusation when he comes and, and they're yelling and they're yelling for Barabbas to be released and whatever. They're saying all these false lies about Jesus. They're, they're accusing him of stuff he never did. There's, there's these things. Anybody been falsely accused this year? Like serious. Anybody felt alone? Anybody felt isolated? Anybody felt accused? Jesus literally went through this. The, the, the mocking. Oh, who do you think you are? He's hanging on the cross, and they're saying to him, if you're actually the Son of God, get off there. Mocking him in his suffering. Anybody had somebody say some really moronic thing this year in the middle of your suffering that you're like, seriously? Was that funny in your head? Because it didn't come out that way. Like Jesus actually hanging on the cross, dealt with people, mocking him in his moment of great, great suffering. The beating. And we all, you know, anybody needs a reminder, watch The Passion of the Christ, which I'm sure is tame compared to what really happened. We know that Jesus was unrecognizable as a man. The beating that he endured for us. Because by the way, Isaiah says that by his stripes, we are healed. He was doing it for us. And yet people just kept beating him. The shame. We know that he wasn't actually, you know, we see those nice crucifixes and whatever with Jesus on the cross and the little loincloth. Jesus was naked. Jesus understands physical abuse. Jesus understands sexual abuse. He understands what it's like to be shamed in that way. He actually endured it publicly. He understands grief. He was hanging on the cross and he looked at his mother standing there and he saw the agony in her eyes. He saw John, the beloved, and he he saw the agony in his eyes and he knew the grief. He experienced the grief. He couldn't solve it. Anybody felt a little helpless this year when somebody you love is suffering and you can't do a thing about it? Jesus gets that. He couldn't fix it, he couldn't couldn't put it all together again. He he, he walked through it. But Jesus went through it all and the word tells us that he didn't say a thing. Isn't that interesting? Some of us are like, that is the last straw, you are gonna get all the pieces of my mind. You know, (laughs) it's happening. I can't take it anymore. I just have to say something to somebody. And it's not that we can't share our stuff, but the point is we all sometimes feel like we've hit the end of the end. And Jesus never said anything until. Mark fifteen thirty four, When the Father laid upon him the sin of us all, And he felt the presence of God shift because sin separates us from God. And through no sin of his own, he took my sin and he took your sin and the sin of those for the past generations. He took it all. And the only time that he cried out in any kind of, I can't do this, was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus could deal with shame. He could deal with suffering. He could deal with accusation. He could deal with the lies that came against him. He could deal with the beating. But what he couldn't deal with was the lack of the presence of God. Some of us take so for granted the value of the presence of God. I, I, can't, I can't be honest with you. I just feel guilty every time I come before God. I don't want to, I don't really like church. I don't really want to, I don't really like prayer. I'm not really, you know, I'm not really digging worship songs, whatever. Seriously? Do you know the gift that it is to be invited into relationship with God? To have his presence available, to be able to love and be loved by the King of glory? Do we? know the value see jesus in the midst of his suffering he he could pray and he's like father forgive them they don't know what they're doing he could still think of others but the only time he couldn't take it anymore was the presence of god shifted for him and it was agonizing so this is the price we've talked about the value but this is the price of the presence literally isaiah 53 6 says all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. John 3:16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. The price that was paid was this, What I just described, Jesus on the cross, what I I just described, that's the price. That's the price that literally every one of us owed. And yet Jesus paid it from his side. That's what was covered. That's, That's what was done. He was willing to take that on for love's sake. But there's two sides of it, right? Because that makes the presence of God available to us. But we have to choose to engage his presence with our own. He's paid it all. We can walk away from the table and just go, well, that's nice. I ask people sometimes, like, you know, just how's your walk with God? And often, if if people are going through really miserable times, they will say not, you know, a lot of times people will say not so good. And the walk with God, what we mean by that is if you literally picture, like, going on a walk with somebody... Wouldn't it be weird if you pick, you know, your best friend or your spouse or whatever, you're like, hey, let's go for a walk. I found this great path, you know, beautiful trees, whatever, let's go for a walk. You pick them up, get out of the car, just walk. Maybe you want to, like, pick a flower, what kind of tree is that? You walk. Text a couple people. Oh, I forgot to answer that message, okay. Get back to the car. How was that for you? It's a good walk, hey? What would be the point? When you have your bestie with you and you go for that walk, the idea is that you're stepping away from it all so that you can spend some time enjoying the beauty around you, so that you can share what's going on with your life. You can hear from one another. How was your week? How was your day? What, what are you struggling with? I, don't, I don't, didn't know that that was going on for you. Like, how can I help you with that? And you begin to share and you begin to open up and you come back after a good walk, and it's, it's been life-giving, it's been revitalizing. There's something that comes alive on the inside because you've shared this time. Our walk with God is that. God offers us, but we sometimes just leave him. And I walk, I'll walk along with you, Lord, but I'm not walking with you. I'm just going to be like beside you, but I don't want to be with you. God wants to invite us into that relationship, into that walk with him, into that constant sharing of heart together. But sometimes we just push away from it. And I just want to address this really quickly before we go, because a lot of people say, well, I've been saved for a long time, but I don't feel the presence of God. I'm not really... um, I guess I must not be one of those feely people, or I used to feel God and I don't really anymore. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't, maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe it's just stuff. Maybe I just, like, things are wrong in my own head, I don't know. And we settle. I'm, I'm presenting to us today. We need to be desperate for the presence of God desperate for the presence of God. If Jesus could get through the crucifixion because the presence of the father was with him, it's worth it. If Corey ten can get through Auschwitz because the presence of God was with her, it's worth it. If you can get through the job situation, the health situation, the relationship situation, the isolation, because Jesus is with you, it's worth it. It's worth it, but we have to decide to engage him. And so one of the things that's a major issue is simply sin. Jesus experienced that separation because God laid upon him the sin of us all. And so if there is sin in our lives, first off, if you don't know Christ yet, today you need to. You need to come when God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's saying yes to the gift. That's saying I'm choosing to give my, my brokenness and receive your wholeness. I'm choosing to give up, you know, the death that I carry around in me and I pick up your life. i I'm choosing to step into your forgiveness, even though I don't deserve it. And that's the initial step. But as an ongoing basis, sometimes when we've been believers for a long time and we drift into sin, and sin is pleasurable for a season, the word tells us, sometimes the pleasure of that season can numb out the lack of the presence of God. And we can miss that he's, we're not sensing him. And instead of running back to him, we dig ourselves deeper into the sin. And we chase it down. We're looking for the next thing. How do people, you know, how do you find out about people that that person was an elder in the church and now they're like a drug addict and they're, you know, whatever. The shift. Where the presence of God lacked the value to pursue and instead the escapism took over. And so the, the standard... Um, process is that we don't want to be where we feel uncomfortable and that separation it feels uncomfortable for us when you come into worship and there's an ongoing sin issue in our lives you know we can feel really miserable at church the answer is not to escape church it's to get right with God yeah. Yeah. it's an easy fix like God's not he already knows right we talked about he knows what's going on he knows where we've been he knows what we're thinking he knows what we're doing might as well fess up and get healed. And so there's this uh, quote from Jonathan Edwards, he says, a man who knows that he lives in sin against God will not be inclined to come daily into the presence of God. That's the truth I of, don't, I don't know, I just don't really, I don't really care if I go to church, I don't really care if I read my word. It's worth asking, is there an area where I have stepped away from, and I've engaged a sin behavior, or a sinful lifestyle, sinful thing, that is sucking out the life out of me. And I need to get back to the presence of God. And the word tells us quite simply, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is not like the big, you know, hellfire and brimstone kind of message. This is is hope. If you feel dead on the inside, but you know there's some sin issues, get it right. Just come before him and let him handle it. Sin is one of the major reasons we don't feel the presence of God. One of the other issues is apathy. Apathy has this other word that we use in the, in the church world called lukewarm. And literally, God hates it. What's very interesting about apathy is that um, it talks about in Revelation 3, it talks about the lukewarm church. And it says that, you know, Jesus says that in, in this particular church, he says, "I know, I know who you are. I know what's going on there. And I know that you're not hot or cold. You're kind of just somewhere in the middle. And it's disgusting. And then he goes on and he explains to them, the reason why you are that way is because you have become rich and you say, I have no need of you. Wow. Because you have basically come to this place. He says, because, because um, you have become rich and you say, I need nothing. And you don't know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Your stuff has blinded you to the reality of your condition. Your stuff has blinded you to the fact that you actually need me every day. This is part of the North American church's problem, is that we have come into such a place of abundance and such a place of opulence in comparison to the rest of the world that we we can move into the, well, we can fix anything. Oh, you're having a problem? Let's solve that. Let's buy a solution to that. Let's pacify that. Let's make ourselves feel better. Let's take a little trip. Let's buy a little thing. Let's do a little something. Let's, Let's do whatever we can to feel better instead of saying, God, you're always the source. We come back to you for everything. We will not try and, and and make our own way. We trust you in everything. And so what's really interesting is that in this passage, Revelations 3.20, is where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. We use this verse a lot when we're talking to people that haven't met Christ yet, but it's actually for people who know him and have chose to ignore him. Isn't that something? It means that it's possible to say, I have full access to the presence of God, but I'm just leaving him outside the door. I'll I'll let him in if I need him. Let him in if I need a little extra boost. Let him in if I need a little extra help. Oh, I had a crisis today. I'm just going to invite Jesus in. Jesus is like, no, I'm actually standing here because I want to come in and dwell with you. I want to sit at the table of your life and I want to feast with you and the daily bread that you need, that daily supply, let's sit here together and let's partake of life together. I want to do real life with you, but I'll stand outside if you want me to. Presence has to be everything. Sometimes the problem is shame. Psalm 51, 10 and 11 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. This is King David's epic sin. And the thing that he's concerned about is not the consequences of his sin. It's not that, well, I kind of liked the sin. It's the, oh God. I need your presence. If I don't have your presence, I can't go on. It's Moses looking at the, the promise in front of him, going, If your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not going. I'm not doing this without you. Your presence is everything. Shame uh, comes and it says to you, if, if God knew what you'd done, I mean, He must be so angry at you. God knows what you've done. And He offers love. He's like, I'm standing there knocking. Let me in. Let's deal with this. Let's fix it. Shame says if people at church knew what you've done, they would hate you. They would judge you. They would ridicule you. They would isolate you. Now, shame is a liar. Shame is about keeping things in the dark, but when the light shines on it, it dispels the darkness and the darkness loses its power. Shame has to go. The presence of God is not worth our self isolation. The self preservation will kill you on the inside. Dump it. Dump it honest before God, honest in the, in the presence of your brothers and sisters. I love what the men's mentorship group said that they, they share with one another, they cry together. There's a lot of people that are like, Oh, I'm not crying in front of anybody. Nobody's going to see me weak. That's the criers up there. That's the, that's the cry zone in the balcony. Yeah, come on now. This, this whole I, I got it, I got it. Nobody's going to see me cry. That is a mistake. That is a mistake. David wept before the Lord and he said, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence. It's everything. And sometimes the problem straight up is fatigue. And we need to be okay with that. Sometimes the lack of feeling God's presence is just fatigue. But God said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, you know, that brokenness, that place of, of fatigue, that pace, place of battle weariness is a good reason to stay away. He says it's the perfect reason to come running in. You know, there's some, we were talking today, just a, a shameless um, album plug. Okay? If, you, if you know you're in a battle zone, but you really can't handle the aggressive battle music right now, Bethel has put out two albums. One's called Peace and one's called Peace Two, which came out yesterday. And they are all your songs like This Is How I Fight My Battles and Graves into Gardens and Declarative, you know, Waymaker. But they're done in a really soft way. And so you can just let it play over your spirit. And sometimes we just need to feast in that place that's, you know, it's gentle, but it's word. And it's kicking it to the enemy. And it's saying, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And so just that might be something that's a tool for you. But Isaiah 40, 29 to 31, you guys know this one. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. What you need in your fatigue might be, you know, we know that the uh, prophet Elijah, when he was exhausted, God told him to have food and a nap, and then we deal with it after that. So you might need some physical stuff, but not a lot. What you need is to be refreshed from the inside out. You need the presence of God. So spend that time in his presence. Spend that time in worship. You know, there's, there's all, pla- all sorts of places, even on YouTube, where they've got the psalms with just instrumental music in the background. And just let the psalms wash over you. You are maybe too tired to read. The word will restore you. Like, take him in. Take it, Breathe in the breath of life that's available to you. Pat Schatzline says, Never negotiate your anointing away. In other words, don't walk away from the call because you don't believe that Jesus is close by. He promises he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's always there. Just because we may not feel him in the moment doesn't change a thing. Don't walk away. Run towards him. I'm going to have the worship team come this morning. You can feel him right here, huh? Thank you, Lord. I'm going to do, we're going to do two things this morning. Some of you need to come to Christ today. It might be a first-time commitment. That verse where Jesus said that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me that's our yes to Jesus we've got the opportunity God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life so some of us maybe today is that first time maybe you're watching online maybe you're watching on the app and you need to make that first-time commitment to Jesus then today is gonna to be your day some of you might need to make a recommitment to Christ today you've known him but you've kind of walked away You haven't been living like you're in relationship to him. It's kind of like, you know, almost if you bump into the presence of God, it's like bumping into an old boyfriend. It's awkward, weird. You know, I, man, that was, that was strange. I don't know you anymore. And you need to make that commitment. So those groups, those commitments to Christ, that's going to be the first group. And then the second group that we're going to cover today is those that need to engage his presence. And maybe it's been a little distance for one of these reasons, but you, you know you want to engage his presence more. And essentially, together, we're going to ask for it. And we're going to open the door together. But that first group, I'm going I'm to do something a little bit more assertive today. Sometimes we're really uh, gentle with you. But honestly, like I'm okay, I'm okay to say I need God. If I don't have him, I am a hot mess every day. I, seriously, nobody in this room has it all together, period. But he comes in and he shores us up and he heals things and he restores things and he breathes life and his presence allows us to engage life from a place of strength and a place of joy. So if you need to make that commitment to Christ today, either for the first time or you need to come back to him, I'm gonna ask you to stand up right where you are. And it's not embarrassing, doesn't matter if everybody thinks you already did this before, God knows your heart. So it's his business and your business, but you're making a statement for him. So if that's you, yeah, thank you for standing. Yeah, thank you for standing, amen. All over the room. Thank you for standing. Is there any more this morning? You need to stand. This is your time and you're not going to be embarrassed. This is you saying yes to God. I'm opening this door. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Now everybody else that you know, you need to take that step towards his presence. You want more of his presence. I'm going to ask you to stand with these ones today. All over the room. You want more of his presence you're stepping into that place with Him. You want more. You're not holding back. You're tired of hiding. You're tired of walking away. You're tired of self-pacifying. You're tired of escaping. You want His presence. Yeah, all over the room. If you're standing, if you're at home, stand up. If you're watching online, stand up. If you're feeling it on the inside, you need to stand up. This is between you and God. He already knows. There's no shame in it. But this morning as we pray, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I want you to all pray together. We're all, going to, we're all going to pray this. And for those who stood up first, thank you for your courage today. That was a big deal. That was a very big deal. And it's a very similar prayer. Because what Jesus said to those in, this, in the book of Revelation was, I stand at the door and knock. And he says it to those that need to be inviting him in for more of his presence. And he says it to those who need him for the first time. So we're going to say the same prayer together. So would you just repeat after me? Father God, I come before you today. And I recognize my need of you. I am desperate for you. And I don't understand how everything works. But I believe by faith today that you love me that Jesus you died for me that you paid the price for me to know you for me to have abundant life and eternal life and to walk in your presence so today God I ask your forgiveness for every place of sin every place I've shut you out Every place I've walked away from you. Every place I've been careless with your presence. And God, today I thank you that you forgive me. You restore me. You heal me. And you come in to eat with me. We partake of your goodness together. I thank you for newness of life. And for your presence in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587 207 4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.